Welcome to another special edition of the Hanging with the AD podcast. Today we sit down with Kate Lavelle. Kate is a speaker, workshop facilitator, and author whose latest book, Stick Together, which she co-wrote with leadership expert John Gordon, was recently released, and it's why we're here today. Kate, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, great. Thanks, Doug. Great to be here. Now, Kate, I'm going to be a little selfish right out of the gate here. I'm going to ask a question from my 10-year-old daughter who is currently reading the book. And I say that you did hear that right. This is a book that I was able to read and learn from and one that my 10-year-old is reading and learning from. I think that speaks to the scope of this work. But she wanted to know, why did you choose to write this book right now? And how much of your personal experience went into the book? That's a great, that's a great question, uh, especially for a, for a 10 year old. I <laughs> love that. Um, yeah. You know what? Part of it being right now, I think was just um, the timing. You know, I feel like, you know, John's really big on, you know, this has to be the right time to do this project. And, and uh, when I brought it to him about a year ago, we kind of looked at what was going on and said, is this the right time for this? And, and of course this is right after COVID had just started and, and we both went, this is, this is it. This is, this is the time to bring this out. And um, we didn't know how true that statement was going to be because we were at the beginning when uh, things were just starting to get canceled and, and didn't know, you know, it was two weeks, right. You know, right. we didn't know how long right. it would be going. So it ended up being even better timing than we, than we thought for, for bringing it out. And absolutely based on personal experience, you know, that the coach in the book, coach David is really based on what I went through as a coach where I really understood the X's and O's very well. And I knew how to pick out great talent, but when things got hard, I was, uh, a lot of times would put aside, you know, any sort of issues or drama and, and separate myself from it because I wanted to focus on the sport and the task at hand and everybody get gritty and let's push through and mm-hmm. don't bring that stuff to practice. And uh, it, it took a lot of transformation for me to realize that I'm not coaching robots. I'm coaching human beings and they have emotions and those emotions can be utilized and put into an avenue that's going to make them better if you're not afraid of them. Uh, and so that was uh, kind of where the idea was born was, well, what are, what are all the lessons I've learned in going through coaching and, and what has made the difference in bringing my teams together? And these were the principles um, that I rely on now. Yeah, that's great. Uh, uh, You know, we talk to our coaches all the time that you can't just do X's and O's and and talking about not being afraid of the emotions and the tough questions. That's great. Uh, And I said the same thing. That's a a question that came from a 10-year-old. I was like, Don, man, that was an awesome question your daughter made up. (laughs) They better watch out. (laughs) Uh, We we may have a third co-host here uh, (laughs) shortly. Uh, She she may be getting out of school to do some podcasting. Hey, Kate, we don't necessarily want to give away everything from the book, but one of the main themes of, uh, of the book is diagnosing what the most important traits for a team are. In your opinion, as a former NCAA coach and high school coach, uh, what are essential traits for any team to have and why uh for the team as a whole yes ma'am yes okay yeah um i think you know if a team's going to be successful they really they need to be driven towards some sort of common purpose 
I have been uh, ousted in games that we should have won easily by a team that was driven by some sort of greater purpose that they came in for. And it was either um, somebody's parent who was suffering through uh, or, or trying to overcome cancer or, or um, you know, coach that had passed away during the season or, you know, whenever they came in driven with a purpose, it didn't matter what we brought. If we didn't bring our, um, you know, kind of that emotional game with us, then we were going to be in trouble. And so I think, having a defined greater purpose that everyone's fighting for each other instead of against each other is really powerful uh, as well as having a really strong connection. And, and, you know, there's seven principles throughout the book and I'll, we can talk about any of those, but connection, all of the principles in the book really lead to that one principle, which is connection. And if your team isn't connected, you know, it's, it's, a, I used to use the um, kind of the analogy that you can poke somebody in the eye and it'll, it'll hurt or you can, you can put all your fingers together and make a fist and it's going to do a lot more damage, you know, and I guess that sounds kind of violent, but just thinking about, you know, the idea of you're so much more powerful together than you are on your own. Yeah, I think that's really good. You know, one of the words that the team chooses is believe. Uh, this makes me think of something that John Gordon has written about, and that is that belief of faith over fear, uh, that they're both a belief in something that hasn't happened yet, and we choose how we see that situation. But in the book, you use a similar comparison when you talk about seeing opportunities as opposed to challenges. Now, why is perspective so important for a leader as they look to hurdle what comes their way? Why does that matter? You know, perspective is, uh, it literally is everything. You know, your reality is shaped by the story you tell yourself of what you see in front of you. And that's why everybody's reality is different, even though they see the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's really about the story. And the, the power of being able to write the story, no matter what's happening in front of you and decide what kind of story you're building, you know, is this a, is this a tragedy? Is it, uh, is it an inspirational story? Like how is this story going to end when we can't control our events that are happening? And this is another um, kind of uh, formula we use with John Gordon companies and that's E plus P equals O. So your event plus your perspective equals your outcome. Mm -hmm. Your event doesn't equal your outcome because we know too many people who have done incredible things under ridiculous odds. And then we know people who get a paper cut and can't go to work for a week. You know, it's not about the event. It's about what you do with it. And so when you're a coach, if you have that belief system that look, you know, it's, it's reality. We may not be where we need to be. My athletes may not be focused the way they need to be. We, there may be, you know, a lot of work we have to do. I may not be on my A game, but I truly believe that we have the personnel, we have the will, we have what we need, and we're going to get here. And I'm going to believe it so strongly that even when you are struggling to see it, I'm going to help you see it. And as a leader, we have that power to transfer our belief, which is really what leadership is all about. So we can form that really strong belief that we are going to have a great outcome. So let's dig in and let's get there. And the difference in a team going through that scenario and hearing the coach say, all right, it's halftime and we're down by, you know, some pretty impossible odds, but this is how we got here. This is what we have in our tool belt that we can access if we can refocus on it. And let's tell each other why we got here and why we value them. And let's go back out there as opposed to, you know, I don't think anybody here even wants it today. You know, you guys aren't trying, right. everybody looks out of shape. And so the belief is either you're not good enough or the belief is, well, we're not there right now, but we sure do have the stuff to make it happen. Let's go. It's going to change how you motivate, you know, the people in front of you. 
Yeah, I think perspective is is a big deal. Like you said, it really is everything. And it's either realistic perspective or it's a perceived perspective. And uh, you know, to to be a great leader, uh, as you said, you've gotta you've gotta have that realistic perspective so you know what avenues to take. So that, that's that's really, really good. And the book does a great job of helping direct uh coaches or whoever reads it uh that way. So another theme in the book, Kate, is the concept of ownership and taking responsibilities for your choices. Uh, could you speak to the role that self-reflection plays in ownership and why it should be a priority for leaders? Absolutely. And, you know, I think that ownership has gotten kind of a, a negative connotation that's attached to it, or people think, okay, I'm going to take the blame. That's what they associate ownership with. Right. And, and so people has, hesitate to do it because nobody wants to kind of fess up to, to what they did because it sounds bad, but ownership is extremely empowering. And so, when we look at it and we, when we teach it as something that, that allows us to say, I'm going to own the choice that I made and what it led us to or what the consequence was. But if I, if I own that choice, that also means I can own the opportunity to make a different choice and to change the outcome. And a lot of times we get hung up on blaming and, you know, who, who made this happen and, um, then you're then you're in this victim role, right? Because you don't have any control over what's going on. Somebody else did it, so you're powerless to change it. And when you bring ownership into the picture, we now have the opportunity to make something happen and to make it better. And so it's a really empowering tool when we use that ownership, uh, not just to own the mistakes, but to own the next step, which is, I think, the part we miss. A lot of teams are good at saying, okay, I'm going to take ownership. That was my fault but they forget to own the change that they're supposed to make for the new action. And like I said in the book that, you know, ownership is contagious. And as soon as one person starts to take ownership, other people begin to bring those walls down. You build the connections and then they start to take ownership as well. And it kind of spreads throughout the team. And I think that's a, it's a really powerful tool to kind of inject into your team and and build that culture. Try to tell you this is going to be good. (laughs) This is going to be good. You know, another takeaway for me was the importance of communication within a team that you just kind of alluded to. Someone once told me that you can't hate someone if you know their story. Could you speak to the power of having meaningful, vulnerable conversations and the benefits that can be gained as a result? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times we use team building, which I love team building. And every year we had money. I think all teams have money allotted to your team building budget. And we're going to plan a pasta dinner. We're going to plan a trip to the movies or something, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, not the trampoline park, but um, (laughs) there's, um, you know, there's always something in there, but you can have a much more powerful connection activity where you just sit in the locker room and you do the triple H exercise, you share a hero, a highlight and a hardship and each person goes and and you talk to each other. And that, that is telling people what, what brought you to the belief system that you have? How did you become the person that you are? What's the perspective that you have and how can I understand you a little bit better? And we don't have the opportunity a lot of times to talk to people about something deeper than this is what I need from you. What time is this? Uh, you know, which cone are we supposed to be at? You know, like right. we don't, especially as high school coaches, time is, uh, you're always chasing it. You know, mm-hmm. there's very little time to begin with. Things are always getting canceled. There are, I mean, 
man, adapt is the name of the game, right? You don't know if you're going to be in the gym. You don't know if you're going to be on the softball field. It doesn't matter what sport you are. You don't know where you're going to be. You don't know if there's going to be a bus, you know, you don't know if you're going to have funding. You don't know anything uh, until you wake up that day and you still may not know. Right. So it's, um, how do you plan meaningful things throughout the season when you can have connection, when you're wondering, Hey, we haven't even had a decent practice and we got a game, you know, we have, we, we are here to make these student athletes into great athletes. Mm-hmm. We're here for, we are here to try and to strive to win, but we also have to get that connection going. So anything small that you can build to um, pull those connections together is going to be really important. And just a couple, you know, a couple ideas. The triple H activity is great. Sharing a defining moment, having a person of the day where you put them up front and everybody just give shout outs for why they love having this person on the team, having a like fun question exchange day where everybody gets random questions of things you wouldn't normally ask. And you have to, you know, trade around everybody kind of trades questions, uh, you know, bring in one object from your house and then tell everyone why this object represents you. Um, you know, anything like that, that can just help you understand the people on your team better because, you know, I, th- I mentioned this earlier, but anything you can get people to fight for each other instead of against each other is going to be a win-win when the pressure hits. And those are the teams that are going to win playoffs. Yeah, that's good. Boy, uh, thanks for sharing so many activities for our listeners. I, I'm going to take these back to my coaches as well, but I know uh, th- th- those are great takeaways right there. And, and you know, for me, I'm a gift giver. I like I like giving our coaches a gift every year, but not everybody wants a gift. So a challenge I have is how do I make an impact? How, how do I make a connection with our coaches? And I think coaches have that same thing. You mentioned it, go to the trampoline park or go to the water park. They want to do a team building activity, but sometimes that's as simple as bringing in a bunch of sticks and let's do an activity with some sticks, right, uh, that, that is in that book. Uh, and I think uh, the challenge is finding out what what is meaningful. I love that term, meaningful, for your team to make a, a, an impact and to make a difference there. So uh, great, uh, great application for us all. Kate, let's touch on the concept of a leader having to show up every day. Uh, I'd like to quote from the book. Uh, the quote was, we can't bring our best effort one day and a weak effort uh, uh, another day. We can't let emotions, fears, and doubts affect the amount of effort that we give to each other and our team. To build a great team, we must cons- be consistent with our effort each and every day. And that's the end quote. Why is it important for the leader's actions to be based on a commitment of uh, to consistency as opposed to being controlled by our emotions and events that happen. You mentioned the E plus uh, E plus B equals O. And I would say a lot of this, uh, you know, that when I read that quote, I think about how I responded each and every day during COVID and it probably wasn't as consistent as it needed to be. So why is that consistency so important? You know, for a leader, uh, our athletes, like it or not, are a reflection of us. And, and that's a painful statement sometimes because we'll see how our athletes are acting and we think, oh my gosh, I definitely didn't teach them this. Uh, you may not have taught them that, but you showed it to them. And so if you're inconsistent, your athletes are going to be inconsistent because they are, by nature, they want to please you. Whether they look like they do or not, on the inside, they want to please you. And that may show up different depending on the kid's personality and how they've been raised and the different authority figures they've had. So their behaviors may be a, a little different from each other. But when we're consistent, they they know what to expect. They know um, they they know where the boundaries are, and they feel safe in that. And they are 
better able to connect on you with you on a deeper level. When you're inconsistent, you have athletes that are constantly reactive and you, the last thing you want to have is a reactive athlete, you know? And so as a coach, we have to decide what do we stand for? What is the, what is the one thing? What is the most important thing? Because we are humans and we are going to uh, leave our jobs and rush to practice, making the practice plan in our head because we have, you know, stuff going on with our families that, you know, the reality is that coaches are doing more than they are able to do, you know, but that's what we do because we love our athletes, you know, we do it anyway. And that's, um, that's part of the job, but it's, it's difficult to go in and never have an emotion. So I like to take five minutes in the parking lot and just, have an intention journal and just say, okay, what is the most important thing that I can say? I walked away from this practice today and say it was successful and everything's not going to be successful. And, you know, I can't try to cover 10 things, but what is the one thing? And is the one thing today that, you know what, they were really down after the last game. I want to make sure that their spirits are up so that we are moving in a better direction. Or the one thing might, might be, you know, for a lacrosse coach, we haven't picked up a ground ball all season. If we can just make a little 1% improvement on that, that's going to be a successful practice. And so maybe it wasn't as focused and you didn't get through everything, but wow, we really did master that. So I can walk away and find success in that. And then you don't, you're not living in this constant frustration, which a lot of coaches end up in because that pressure to correct everything right away kind of weighs heavily on you because you're being graded, you're being microscoped and everybody's, you know, uh, Monday morning quarterback, you know, (laughs) they're all deciding what you should have been doing. So pick that one important thing, pick two or three people that you are going to intentionally connect with that day. So you you just have, it's not just a practice plan. It's got to be a, you know, a connection plan. And when you walk away from practice feeling really good about it, you can be more consistent with how you feel. And that I just find that it helps you recenter because we can have a bad day at work and then go to practice and carry that in with us. So I think, yeah, that, that's something Josh and I were, we were just talking about recently, this idea of stacking wins, you know, only one team's going to win the championship. So let's don't, yep. don't necessarily focus on that. Let's stack wins, little increment wins, and then we'll let's stack them and that will end up resulting in a bigger end game, you know, and that kind of speaks to what you were just saying. Well, we, so I, I like to use um, milestones. And so for, for high schools, a lot of, a lot of high schools have, um, they have locker rooms, at least somewhere they can use. Right. So rather than having goals, like, okay, this, we're going to try to get this many runs or we're going to try to get this many goals in this much time, you know, something like that. I like to say, pick milestones and don't put a date on it. Just pick mm-hmm. some really cool milestones that you want to hit this season and hang them up all over the locker room. And every time you hit one, celebrate like you just won the lottery. You know, and if the milestone is that we made it to halftime without getting scored on or, or, you know, we didn't drop a ball or, you know, whatever it is, they should be, you know, lots of little small ones so that you can constantly be celebrating. That's the goal. Right. Is to always have celebrations. So we lost, but we are going to go in there and we're going to, you know, whatever, we're st- put stickers all over it or, you know, we're going to whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, we're shoot paintballs at it. <laughs> yeah. But, no. you know, whatever uh, you can do to keep celebrations happening because that's what drives you. And then you get to the end of the season and no matter where you ended up, you're going to say we improved and we hit so many of these milestones. The problem with dated goals. And I know the old, you know, you're supposed to make it specific and time oriented and all of that. But what happens if you get to halftime and you didn't hit it? 
Right. How do you rally for the second half? You kind of set yourself up for failure. You do. And it's really hard to yep. transfer the belief because you're also afraid that you're going to set them up for failure and then they're not going to trust you anymore. So how about make it a milestone? You know, we used to have uh, in our, our lacrosse team, if you score in the first 10 seconds, which is basically win that draw, get down the field and knock that thing in the net. Anytime we score in the first 10 seconds of any game, they got donuts the next morning. Uh, and I would drop off donuts at school. And so uh, I would forget all about it. And then I, you'd, you'd see them counting down on the sidelines and, and <laughs> right. donuts. And the other teams have no idea what's going on. But, um, but it's, you know, it was just something to, to check off and kind of keep them going. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Kate, as we wrap up here, could you speak to the action plan that is associated with the book and the other resources that a company stick together and where our, our listeners can find them? Yeah, absolutely. So if you buy the book, then you can go to sticktogetherbook.com and there's a redemption form that I guess you just show, you know, where you purchased it and then you'll get sent the action plan. And the action plan is really some, I don't, have you, have you all seen it? Did you get a chance to see it? By yeah, yes. I, yeah, I have it. Actually, yes. I have it somewhere over here. Um, so basically it's just got questions, discussion questions uh, that take you through all of the different principles in the book. So it's very helpful for coaches if you want to use it for a book study. And it's such a quick read that it really is a great book study for high school kids, even middle school kids, uh, as well as your coaching staff to kind of dig into. Um, otherwise, other resources I'm trying to think of, um, we'll probably have some videos up at some point. There's going to be some posters that you can download that are going to be there. My Power Positive Summit talk is going to be on Stick Together. So that's, um, and that's free. People can sign up for that. And I think they can probably still get into that. I don't know. That, that's, that's most of it. Oh, oh, and workshops. So coaches can actually bring me in virtually or in person. And we can do them anywhere from an hour to three hours. And we go through all the principles of the book. And we, we let them discuss um, how do we apply this here? What's our plan going to be? And how are we going to keep it alive for, for our season and for the rest of the year? And something you just mentioned there, I, I know that we mentioned my daughter earlier, and we have you know a lot of uh, a lot of high school ads that listen to this, but we also have some middle school ads that listen to this. And you know, you touched on that that being able to do this as a book study, it can be done at almost any level. I mean, I think that that's the beauty of what you guys have done here. And for anyone who who's not familiar with the book, just the story is it is a you know a short fiction story, and it covers a bas- high school basketball team uh, who is struggling to come together. Lots of talent, but they fail to come together for the playoff game. Get knocked out early, and the next year the coach says, "All right, I, I failed my team. What can I do?" And based off of the Aesop's uh, fable of the sticks, he comes up with a plan to teach the team principles give them a challenge and to find a way to come together through the season. And it's something that you can replicate with your own team um, as well as just have them read it and, and learn along the journey as they're going through it. Yeah, it's great. I see the book there in the background. And, and like you said, it is a short read. It's a quick read. It's illustrated, uh, which I think helps out uh, just kind of connect with the book. Uh, I was mentioning it uh, to another coach and um, talking about the sticks. And he said he had heard the same kind of principle being used with pencils. So if if you don't have a lot of woods, if you live in a place where there's not a lot of sticks, yeah, every, every teacher and coach probably has pencils somewhere. So you could definitely do that. But also, I would say to a coach or uh, an athletic director, if you're looking for core values, those core values are already really presented in that book. Uh, you don't really have to make up a whole lot. It's, everything's there. And for $15, $20, you are buying 
providing a resource to help your team chemistry. And, and I, I just think it's phenomenal. I've already given it to another coach who uh, is going to be uh, – she's moving from an assistant to a head coaching role and uh, looking forward to seeing how she applies it as well. Uh, but, Kate, obviously Stick Together is the book we want to talk about today. But you have another book, and it's called Confessions of an Imperfect Coach. Uh, I know our girls lacrosse coach at Pope, he has read it. And uh, when he was speaking in front of our coaches one day, he referenced it as how it helped him develop uh, as a coach and as a head coach. So tell us a little bit about Confessions of an Imperfect Coach. Yeah, you know, that started out as um, almost like a journal entry. I actually had, um, I met John in an airport. And uh, so this is kind of your your lesson of get your head out of your phone and pay attention to who's around you because you don't know how it's going to change your life. So um, back in about 2013, I'm walking through an airport and uh, this guy comes over and talks to me and turns out he's John Gordon. And of course, I didn't know who he was, but he (laughs) offered to send me some books. And it was at the perfect timing for me when I was realizing that I just didn't have a background in culture. You know, I was... I was nice. I was a nice coach. We played games. We ran over to the lake and, and played uh, played lacrosse for some of the practices. But um, I still had that old school mentality of don't question me. You know, the, the more in line they look, the, the better they are. And I was I had my identity very wrapped up in how well we did. And so that was stressing me out. So um, I needed some help. And I was going to coach a new team. And so I said, all right, I'm going to I'm going to do an experiment, and not tell anybody. And I read The Energy Bus, and that was my first John Gordon book. And I realized that positivity wasn't what I thought it was. I really thought that was, oh, you're doing a really good job, you know, kind of condescending, kind of just telling everyone they're, they're doing great, even though they're not. And what I learned when I read that book is it's, it's really not about that. It's about being real about where you are, but filling your people with the belief that they can overcome it and that we're going to have a better future. And when I realized that, I just changed the entire way that I approached coaching and it was, it was really was an experiment because I was kind of feeling it out as I went to see what would work. I did the journaling for a little bit and then I started just writing on the top of my practice plan. Uh, like I had, th- I just wrote three lines and it was, who am I going to encourage? What do I want to get out of today? And, um, and what's my number one focus. And, and so I just, you know, I just kind of put that in there. And then at the end of practice, Usually, but you guys don't have this problem. When I was in Colorado and I had to let my car warm up for 10 minutes before I could go anywhere, um, I would send out two texts and it was one to somebody who excelled that day and worked really hard and one to someone that I thought really needed encouragement. And I just started doing after every single practice. So building that stuff in, but as I'm writing it, I don't know how the season's going to turn out. So it's kind of cool. So you're reading it and you really go through the journey as I went through it. And you know, we lose our first game in a, in a nail biter and like a, um, it's a three period overtime and then we lose. And then we went through the rest of the season and I realized towards the end, I was like, okay, what, where are we? I said, Oh my gosh, we're, we're undefeated since that first game. And we had to play that same team that we lost to at the first, first game to get into the final four. And when we went up against them, we beat them something like 20, 20 to six. So you know, it, it was, right. a, you know, it, it was a huge improvement, something I'd never seen before. And we practiced less. Uh, if people had tests, I didn't freak out. I said, you know what? My job as a high school coach is to have the best practice I can with the people who are in front of me and, and in the season while they're here. I'm not going to stress about, you know, I want them to do stuff off season. I want, I'm going to encourage all that stuff, but I'm going to stop 
being so tightly wound up around the things that are outside of my control. And I'm going to, the thing I have control is they're going to have an amazing experience. They're going to love coming to practice. They're going to be excited so that they work harder with the time that I have in front of me. And uh, it really changed, changed everything. And I, I really have never gone back to, to my old way of coaching uh, since then. And so anyway, that was, that's the story um, kind of that I take you through in that book. And then after that, I ended up writing a lot of blog posts that got shared really all over across so many different sports. And this is where kind of people found out who I was. And so I said, well, these have helped a lot of coaches. I'm going to compile all these as well. So those are in the book too. It's really good. Kate, thank you so much for the pleasure of your time today. Josh and I believe that this book is going to help a lot of teams and leaders. And it's our hope that after today, others are going to think that as well. So thanks again for the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.